that's at work in the world today. Ideologies and culture would look at our biblically outdated ideas on morality and sexuality and gender. A message that requires us to repent and change in a culture that says, whatever feels good, that, that's my truth. The world looks at the church, just ordinary people who make mistakes. And I would, be the, I would say exactly the same as Dan. We do not have it together as church leaders, and we do. We're just ordinary people. But the world would look at us and say, by discipling people one by one, you think you're going to change the world? Well, actually, yes. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This opposition, the sarcasm, the cynicism, the doubt, we're told in verse 1 that the root is anger. So here's what we need to get. When we build up the walls of salvation, when we build up the wall of devotion and praise and prayer around our life, when we build up the wall of passion for Jesus, when we build a wall of purity around our life for him, when we build up the spiritual strength of our family, when we build up the walls of mission, we are building up the walls of salvation, we are raising up the gates of praise. And God is being glorified. And the enemy is furious because he wants the glory. Alan Redpath says this, when the people of God say, let us arise and build, the enemy says, let us arise and oppose. This year as Hope Church has been my toughest year as a church leader. We have received a fair share of opposition and much of it has come related to premises and venues and meeting space. Earlier in the year, we had an LGBT protest outside our church. It was hard to arrive at your church building with your name on placards. We didn't ask for it. But a result of that was that we lost the cinema where we were meeting as a, as a meeting venue. They didn't tell us that was the reason, but within a few days, we could no longer use it. We've struggled to have a big enough meeting space. And it's been tough. It's been really tough going. We've spent the last three months looking towards signing a lease on another premises, having spent months previous to that getting planning permission for the owners to do a U-term, and now we're in an untenable position with them. It's tough. But I'll tell you what, I've never felt more encouraged. Because Jesus said, I am still building my church. And in amongst all that, we have a peace like never before, that actually God must have something greater for us. You see, we have been equipped. We can overcome. We can respond to the opposition. And here in Nehemiah, there's something of a strategy, and I want to look at four key things. The first thing that Nehemiah does, he prays. Verse 4, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face 
of the builders. You know that thing we do as Christians when we exhaust our resources and our ideas and then we say, well, all I can do is pray. That's the best thing that we can do. It's the first thing that we must do. Notice in this prayer that Nehemiah is a bit cross. I want these guys to burn, God. That's effectively what he's praying. Take them down. And you can imagine how Nehemiah is feeling. And when opposition comes, when criticism comes, when cynicism comes, it hurts. But like Nehemiah, we need to express those feelings to God. The Psalms are full of those kinds of prayer. And here's what we need to see. Jesus. If you come away from one thing this morning, it's this. Jesus. He's the answer. He's the solution. You see, Jesus has already overcome the enemy. We read in Colossians 2, verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Like Nehemiah, Jesus brought his agony, his feelings to God. We see that the night before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see a a picture of Jesus agonizing in prayer, crying out to his father, Abba, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But then he says, yet not my will, yours be done. And he goes to the cross. You see, Jesus overcame so that we can overcome. And so we go to Jesus in prayer. Lord, I'm disappointed. I'm confused. I'm not sure what's happening here. But I look to you. We let prayer become praise. When we don't feel like worshipping, worship anyway. Worship your way into worship. In 2 Chronicles 20, there's a picture of God's people with three opposing enemies who are trying to wipe them out in a military sense. They're up against it. They're completely outnumbered. And on the day that they go to meet those enemies, Jehoshaphat raises up a choir. And they sing praise to God. And what happens is as as they praise God, those three enemies get confused, turn on each other, and annihilate each other. God's people don't even have to fight. You see, when we praise, the enemy flees. Worship is a weapon of warfare. Something this church does well. What a great time of worship this morning. Leading us guys. Just fantastic. And I believe that God would remind us that that's a key thing going forward. As we seek to build the walls of salvation and God's kingdom. The second thing. Verse 6. It says, so we rebuilt the wall. I love this. So we rebuilt the wall. A crucial part of the strategy in overcoming opposition, keep going. We keep doing what God has asked us to do. It's easy to let criticism, cynicism, doubt, opposition, it can derail us. But you see, the Christian world is full of dreams and visions and plans that have never been fulfilled. It's a tactic of the enemy that we lose perspective 
that we become overwhelmed, that we become anxious. And what does that do? It immobilizes us. It's exactly what the enemy wants. And maybe you are here today and God has called you to something. Maybe God has planted a dream or a vision in your heart and actually it's faded. It's been robbed. Is it time to resurrect that? Is it time to get back on track with what God has called you to do? We need to be finishers like Jesus. He went to the cross. His best friends deserted him. He was mocked, beaten, tortured. We're told that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He hung and he suffered there on that cross for you and me. And he cried out, it is finished. Making a way for every single one of us to be set free from our past and receive new life in Christ. Maybe you are here today and you have not put your faith in Jesus. You can. And there are lots of people who would love to lead you in that and pray with you right here this morning. Is today the day that you put your trust in Jesus? See, Jesus overcame so that we can overcome. We can finish what God has called us to do. What happens next? The people of God sit back, relax, pour themselves a drink, admire the work that they've done. No, verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. The opposition actually intensifies. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been praying for change to come. Maybe you've been praying against some opposition and you're desperate to see breakthrough and actually it gets worse. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, actually, am I on the wrong track? Is God actually still with me? And I want to say yes. Stand your ground. Do we give in? No. This is this is fascinating aspect of the story here in Nehemiah. Because what we see happening here is enemies suddenly unite. People who don't usually get together get together to oppose God's work. And the criticism now turns to threat. These are very powerful enemies. We've got Sanballat with the Horonites in the north. We've got the Arabs in the south. We've got the Ammonites in the east and the Ashdodites in the west. North, south, east, west. God's people are now surrounded. That's what the enemy tries to do. 2 Corinthians 4 says we are hard-pressed on every side. But it doesn't land there. It says, but we are not crushed. However it looks, it might look like the enemy surrounds us. But God surrounds the enemy. Jesus overcame so that you and I can overcome. The third thing. Notice that the enemy is particularly bothered that there's gaps in the wall being closed. We read in verse 7. When they heard 
that the repairs to the walls were going ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Now, what's interesting here, in the original text, the word for closed is the same word for healing. They're healing the wall. But remember, we're talking about the wall of salvation, and salvation is healing and wholeness. When lives are redeemed and restored, that is the ultimate healing. It's the shalom, the peace of God, and God is being glorified. And God desires that he is glorified in your life. We're not trying to be perfect. We are a work in progress. We're becoming more like Jesus. But Jesus desires that we know a greater outworking of his grace in our life so that we can overcome sin and temptation. The choices that you and I have to make every day are critical. Are you building up the wall of salvation in your life? Are there gaps? Are you compromising in your walk with Jesus? Are you flirting with sin that you know you shouldn't be flirting with? Are you pressing in to be close to him? Don't give the enemy away. It's part of the strategy. We can close the gaps. There is always restoration in Jesus. Jesus overcame so that we can overcome. We can do that. We can close those gaps in his strength. Verse 9. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. They keep on building. They keep on praying. They close the gaps. And fourthly, they post a guard. We don't take a passive stance in overcoming opposition We take action. We post a guard. How do we do that? Who's the guard? Jesus. We read from Ephesians 6 earlier, where Paul said that our battle is not against flesh and blood. This is how he follows that on. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We stand firm In Jesus, in him. And here is Paul leaning on Roman soldier imagery that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. To put on the armor of God is knowing our spiritual position and identity in Christ. Now, I have a weird name. I'm Irish. I can't help it. McLeista. And there's not many of us. And people never know how to spell it. And so over the years, I've had lots of variations in the spelling of my name. The worst one happened when I had a letter through the post addressed to the Reverend Molester. (laughs) I bet the guys in the sorting office had fun with that. It's just wrong on so many levels. I'm not even a reverend. 
That was not my true identity. And guys, we must realize our true identity. We have a new identity in Christ. We are, we are in him. That's who we are. And with that comes a position. Ephesians 2 says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we have been raised up with him. And when it says seated here, we need to understand the context and what this is actually meaning. Because it's not a kind of laid-back posture like Jesus is watching TV. He's poised and ready. Now, when our kids were young and we used to go to sports days, I don't know if anyone's with me on this, but we used to hear this thing about, it's the taking part that counts. We're all a winner. Yeah, right. Because that's not where I was at. And that's, that's not what I saw in the eyes of the other dads because when it was our kids' turn, we weren't sitting back, laid back and relaxed. We were on the edge of our tiptoes cheering them on and saying, come on, son, you've got this. And it's a bit like this. Jesus is not leaning back. He's poised, ready, cheering us on. We're told that he is our great high priest, that he is interceding for us, that there he is seated at the right hand of the Father and we are seated there with him. That is our position in Christ. It's a position of authority. And so we put on this armor. How? By faith. Jesus is my truth. He's the one that orientates me in a culture and make, helps me make sense of that. He's my righteousness. I can make godly choices. He's my peace in an anxious world. We take up the shield of faith. We walk by faith. And it extinguishes the flaming arrows, arrows of the evil one. It's not the size of my faith. It's who my faith is in. It's in Jesus Christ. We put on the helmet of salvation. We rest and enjoy that we're saved and redeemed and restored. And Jesus said, he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That gives us assurance. That brings us hope. And that equals boldness. And we take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Back in Nehemiah, God's people are building a wall why? Because it was someone's bright idea? No, because we read in chapter 2, verse 12, what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. God had spoken. It was his word that they were standing on. He had called them to do this. And we must do the same. We stand on God's word. That is what we come back to. Sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon in the armory. We don't put it on, we use it. And the word here for sword that Paul chooses to use, for the Roman soldier, it was a short, stabbing sword that when the enemy gets too close, stab. That's the kind of sword he's talking about. So when the enemy gets close, stab. We have the word of God. It's what we see Jesus using in Matthew 4. Jesus goes into the wilderness after his baptism. And in the biggest understatement that I've ever discovered in the Bible, after 40 days of fasting, it says he was hungry. He needed a McDonald's, Dan. 
And he's there in the wilderness for the purposes of facing opposition of the enemy. And Jesus uses the sword of the Spirit. The enemy comes and says, if you are the Son of God. Have you ever thought about that? How ridiculous that is. Satan is opposing Jesus. If you really are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus' response, it is written. Stab. Man shall not live on bread alone. Three times. Same. He doesn't argue. He says, it is written. It is written. He stands on the word of God. Jesus overcame for us so that we are now released to use the sword of the Spirit in that same way. We're equipped. How do we overcome doubt and fear and opposition and when we're up against it? No, this is what God has said. This is who I am in Christ. Stab. Word and Spirit working together. For us as Hope Church, we were planted out, just a little handful of us, and the word that God had said to us, I think we had it from six different sources. So you kind of get the sense that I think God's saying something here. And it was simply this, I will build my church. And that has given us so much encouragement so many times. I remember just months into planting and we'd done the launch and it was all very exciting. And now it was down to the hard work. Now it was the hard part. And I remember one Sunday looking around the room and thinking the only other people in this building are our little team. They're all busy doing stuff. And I had this overwhelming fear just grip me. And I thought, what if no one shows up? What if, what, what, what if, the, what if I've not heard right? What, what if this doesn't work? What, what have I done to my family? We've put everything on the line for this. And suddenly a word came from the Spirit of God. I will build my church. And that has happened time and time again. And it has happened time and time again over this last year when I'm thinking, what, what are we doing? What is going on here? This opposition, and God has said, I will build my church. We stand on the word of God. We will face opposition. We should face opposition because what we're doing is a threat to the enemy. And here's what I don't want you to take away from this. I don't want you here thinking, Mike, I've just got enough to think about getting through my day. Don't don't talk to me about an enemy who's real and I now need to look over my shoulder because I have opposition. Do not respond in fear. That's not what this is about. This is not about giving the enemy airtime. This is about us having a bigger vision of Jesus. We are in exciting times to be part of God's church here in Scotland. There's planting to be done. There's walls to be built, but we will face the battle in increasing measure. I do believe that, and that's not to scare us, because we can overcome, but we need to take our stand. And I believe for you guys as King's Church, I really resonated this morning. We heard that word about north, south, east, west, and I was really struck about what we're talking about here, that the enemy can surround us on the north, south, east, west, but I believe God's saying something different. I believe he's saying to you as a church, I have surrounded the enemy and you're free to move north, south, east, west. Nehemiah, the enemy criticized, so doubt, opposed, threatened, surrounded, but what happened? What was the result? Chapter 6, verse 15, so the wall was completed. 
in 52 days. The wall was built. They overcame. This is not a little garden wall. These are huge city walls built by people who were not builders. The fact that it tells us it took 52 days, what's that telling us? It's telling us it was supernatural. It was not humanly possible. That's why the enemies are so threatened. That's what's happening here. And as we build up the walls of salvation, there's something supernatural happening. Is there a dream, a vision in your heart that's yet to be fulfilled? I just sense there might be one or two here that have been listening to the voice of fear and the voice of doubt. It's the enemy, and you can stand against it. Is it time to stand on God's word and realize your identity in Christ and who you are? Are you building up the wall of salvation? Are you building up the wall of passion for Jesus? Are you building up the wall of mission and reaching others? Maybe you're here today and you're facing a particular opposition. I want to say you can overcome. That is God's message to us this morning. We can face the opposition. We can be a finisher because we've been equipped with a strategy. We pray, we keep going, we close the gaps, we post a guard. We use our weaponry. Going back to our story as Hope Church and the year that we've had, in amongst all of that, we had hit something of a crisis point at Christmas New Year. We were doing two gatherings and we still didn't have enough space in our little building for people. Dan said, shall I invite King's Church to come down when Dave and Liz come in January? I said, no, because they'll be on the street. And, and that, that's actually true. That's what would have happened. So we're desperate. And we, some, someone told us about another building and we went to look at it. And as we were in there, we just sensed if, if we could use this as a temporary building, if, but if we could get kind of instant planning approval, this would be really helpful. And we actually, as we talked, as elders, someone mentioned the guy that they believe might give us favor, and he's actually now the leader of the council. I kid you not, we walked out of the building. Who's standing on the street outside? This guy. We had a conversation with him, and he said, I would love to support you guys. The result of that conversation meant that he lent on our local planning authority, and they were able to give us temporary planning permission, something that's not normally done. God is in charge. We will overcome. It's time for us as the people of God not to shrink back in fear and doubt and uncertainty. It's time for us to take our stand and take our stand in the authority we have in Jesus. John 16, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame so that we can overcome. Amen. I'd love to pray for us. Father, I thank you for this reminder. The battle is real. And in one sense, none of us wants that. But actually, the point is that you are glorified. The point is it's to reveal who you truly are. And Lord, I pray that you would help us see afresh today that whilst we're in a battle, we're on the winning side that you overcame Jesus for us so that we can live a life of victory, so that we can overcome. And Lord, I pray for those who are stirred in their hearts this morning, who realize that actually, yes, 
I've been pushed aside from what God is calling me to do. I've not been realizing the potential of this wall that, that God has called me to build. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would come and move in us and enable us and equip us and refresh us that we would be able to stand our ground and build what you're calling us to build. And all God's people said, Amen.